welcome back to the show. The analytics department tells me we have a 60-40 split between American and Canadian listeners, with 1% in each Malaysia, Singapore, and Germany. So hello to everyone, and thanks for listening. I use the Anchor app to make this podcast, and the analytics on there are great. At least I know it's not just my mom listening. Most of you listeners are guys between the ages of 35 and 44, so it occurred to me that a shout-out to our moms is in order. If you're like me, your interest in cars began before everything went online. So our moms had to deal with all the four-wheeler, hot rod, car craft, and diesel power magazines all over the house. Not to mention the auto trader, truck trader, and the 3000 and under trader. With the odd heavy truck and equipment trader, too. If I had to spend as much time studying the Bible instead of the 3000 and under trader, I'd be podcasting from the Vatican and not my 96 Sierra outside the auto parts store. No doubt your mom got drugged along to car shows, swap meets, and racetracks, not to mention the engine and shop boss talk at the supper table. Thanks, Mom. And now the news. Some somber news to start. One of the godfathers of everything fast has died at 97 years old. Brigadier General Charles Elwood Yeager passed away on the afternoon of December 7th, 2020, in a hospital in Los Angeles. Chuck Yeager was best known as the man who broke the speed of sound in level flight. Yeager started off as a private in the U.S. Army Air Force, working as an aircraft mechanic before entering flight school. Going on to fly the P-51 Mustang, he finished the Second World War, with 11 and a half kills, including five in one day. After the war, he became a test pilot and broke the speed of sound on October 14, 1947. He would later command fighter squadrons and then whole fighter wings in both Germany and Southeast Asia, retiring as a brigadier general in 1975. Definitely worth reading up on or watching on YouTube. Passing away slightly more recently was Aldo Andretti. Born in Italy in 1940, Aldo and his twin Mario were exposed to auto racing during a trip to Monza in 1954. The family moved to Nazareth, Pennsylvania in 1956, where the brothers soon discovered an oval track close by. The brothers rebuilt a 48 Hudson Commodore into a stock car in 1959 and began racing without telling their parents. On their first race day, they flipped a coin to see who would drive. It was Aldo who won the coin toss, and then won his heat race and the feature. After about a month, the brothers each had a pair of wins, but near the end of the season, Aldo crashed, cracked his helmet, and ended up in a coma. After learning how to walk again, he returned to race the next season. He raced sprint cars until another bad wreck in 1969. After retiring from driving, he went into business operating a Firestone store. He could still be seen at the racetrack supporting his brother, sons, and nephews. He was 80 years old.
General Motors and AC Delco have released pics of the new parts branding and packaging. The new packaging includes security measures to help stop the trade of fake parts. New branding includes GM original equipment in blue metallic. These are genuine GM parts and AC Delco original equipment installed during production and validated by GM for GM. Then there's the AC Delco Gold. These are the supposedly high quality alternative to the OE parts, formerly known as the Professional line. Lastly, the Silver line, previously the Advantage, a high quality value option. All lines are backed by GM. Most of the OE and Gold lines will be backed with a 24 month unlimited mileage limited warranty. Some parts like radiators, fuel pumps, and wheel hub bearings will have a limited lifetime warranty. The Silver Line warranty is a 12-month unlimited mileage. So still the same, good, better, best, but now with colors. I noticed the last Motorcraft oil filter I used was packaged differently as well. The 2021 Jeep Wrangler Rubicon 392 is heading to production. It will go on sale in early 2021. Powered by the naturally aspirated 6.4 liter 392 cubic inch V8, making 470 horsepower and 470 pound feet of torque, breathing through the functional hood scoop. The 392 is a four door Rubicon, sitting an inch taller than standard Rubicons and riding on 33-inch BF Goodrich KO2 all-terrains, Dana 44 axles with electric lockers, and 373 gears. Fox shocks, electronic sway bar disconnect, and beadlock capable 17-inch wheel standard equipment. Can't forget to mention the 8-speed auto transmission with paddle shifters on the steering wheel. This is just me, but does it sound funny to mention paddle shifters when talking about a Jeep Wrangler? We love diesel here at the Direct Injection Podcast, and despite our name, we don't discriminate against pre-combustion chambers. In fact, we love them too. Some of you may need to Google indirect diesel injection or IDI diesels, and that's okay. Common IDIs include the 6.2 and 6.5 GM, as well as the 6.9 and early 7.3s from International that were used by Ford up to mid-year 94 models. All of these engines I mentioned used a rotary distributor injection pump from Stanadyne. Nowadays, most of the later common rail diesels are using Bosch injection pumps. So what happens at Stanadyne these days? that question but first let's take a trip back to 1947. That's when Vernon D. Rusa makes a deal with the Standard Screw Company, formerly the Hartford Machine Screw Company, to come over and work on his diesel injection pump. Now at the time diesels were starting to prove their worth in certain applications but they were expensive. 
especially the fuel injection systems, which were complex and heavy. Vernon Rusa had the answer. Like another of my heroes, Russo was a farm boy turned mechanic. Russo's father was an inventive man who raised Holsteins and had one of the first milking machines. But as things often do in ag, times got tough so Vernon left school at 15 to work as a gas station attendant. He became the manager before a year was up. He then attended aviation engineering school and with the Great Depression on he worked as a mechanic for a bus company where he became interested in diesels. He then went to work first maintaining a diesel power plant, then making and installing diesel electric transets for New York apartments. This is when he started developing his own injection pump. Old Vernon D. thought outside the box and tossed out the inline injection pump idea and created his own. Traditional inline pumps had a pumping element for each cylinder, but Roos's pump only had a single pumping element to feed all the cylinders. This, combined with inlet metering and only requiring a simple governor, led to the world's smallest and lowest price injection pump available. It took about five years, but the Rusa Master Pump, as it was known, became popular. First used by Hercules Motors Corporation in all of her tractors, then Continental Motors in 1953. By 1956, Waukesha engines were using Vernon's pump. Side note, also in 1956, the Standard Screw Company makes a deal with Ravina Metal Projects of Seattle to sell a single-handed faucet developed by Alfred M. Mullen. By 61, just about every diesel farm tractor built in the U.S. was equipped with the Rusa Master Pump. In 1970, the Standard Screw Company changed its name to Standardine. Vernon D. Rusa eventually retired as VP of R&D. He holds 350 patents, including a stapler, butane lighter, nail polish remover bottle with brush, a novel toilet flush system, a gas tank filler, and numerous electrical switching devices. Modern-day Standardine still builds mechanical and electronic rotary pumps as well as high-pressure fuel pumps for gas direct injection systems and common rail diesel in injection pumps. Their Pure Power Technologies division manufactures and remanufactures injectors, EGR valves and turbochargers. Elsewhere, and in today's modern diesel world, Cummins has announced the first connectivity-enabled X15 efficiency engine series and Endurant HD powertrain. The Endurant is a joint venture between Cummins and Eaton to be used in Freightliner Cascadia line of trucks. This new smart powertrain aims to deliver superior ratings in fuel economy and drivability.
using Cummins Acumen Advanced Engine Computing Module, which connects to Cummins Tech Platform for direct access to digital apps, over-the-air updates, and feature service integrations. Features include on-ramp assist, which uses GPS to detect when the truck is using an on-ramp to temporarily trade fuel economy for max torque to reduce merging times. I always thought that the driver could choose between fuel economy and max torque with his right foot, but I guess engineers know best. The new tech allows consumers and Cummins themselves to use the remote engine monitoring, reporting, calibrating, and servicing solutions. Cummins and Freightliner can then gain a deeper understanding of how the trucks operate in the real world. In other words, drivers, they're going to learn all your pro secrets and your bad habits. They can then use this info to deliver more customized products and services, increasing uptime, reducing cost, and optimizing engine performance. The over-there updates will allow you to upgrade your engine calibration right at the job site. No need to visit the dealer. X15 Efficiency Series is a series of inline sixes rated from 400 to 500 horsepower with peak torque from 1,450 foot-pounds to 1,850 foot-pounds. Equipped with a variable geometry turbo and the XPI fuel system that provides multiple injection events per cycle resulting in industry-leading fuel economy and quiet operation. Also sporting the Cummins engine brake with up to 600 braking horsepower, claiming to be the most powerful in the industry. The X15 engine itself isn't new for 2020, but the latest versions include upgraded turbocharger dynamics, a high-performance EGR cooler, as well as reduced water pump speed to reduce parasitic losses. Cummins has something a little different in the works called the Advanced Combat Engine. This is the result of a collaboration between Cummins and Acades Power, the latter being known for developing opposed piston gas and diesel engines. So what is it? It's 14.3 uh, liters in displacement, two-stroke, opposed piston engine with four cylinders, eight pistons, two crankshafts, one at either end. No valve train and no head gaskets to fail. Air enters and exits the cylinders through ports in the cylinder, the port being covered and uncovered by the pistons as they travel from bottom dead center to top dead center. So that's two pistons in each cylinder moving towards each other, creating the combustion chamber. We'll learn more about opposed piston engines in a later episode. So being a two-stroke, forced induction is a must. This one includes a pair of Holset HE500 VGT turbos and a root-style supercharger. It makes 1,000 horsepower with 13% less fuel usage and 50% more power density 
compared to ordinary counterparts. For example, the Cummins V903 used in other military applications is 14.8 liters displacement. It's a V8 and develops only 750 horsepower. This one, the 14.3, is being developed for use in armored fighting vehicles like the Bradley and can be scaled up or down as needed. A six-cylinder version has been discussed for use in main battle tanks. It would put out around 1,500 horsepower. Rules are made for people who aren't willing to make up their own. Chuck Yeager